coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Speaking of robots, let's get our favorite robot in here. Our favorite robot. Yeah. Who probably can't control drones and send them to shoot the person who's dating our prospective girlfriend. We sure hope so. I mean, Please don't I don't do know. That. Craig, uh, we don't really know his motives, but so far he seems good. I think he's just a spy. I think he's eavesdropping on all of us. This well, that's is kind of like when Trump Tower was wiretapped. It's you know, <laughs> Spying is just normal today. It's, <laughs> it's all part of everything. We don't have privacy anymore. The Patriot Act. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we abolished that. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. And this week we are bringing you all things Disney that are in theaters right now. No, um, not all of them. Well, you're right. We're not going to talk <laughs> about Toy Story 4. <laughs> We already talked about Toy Story 4. This week, we are talking about uh, two of the big sides of Disney's current slate. First of all, representing the Marvel side, we have Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm -hmm. And representing their live-action remake saga, we have the new Lion King movie. It's really quite a contrast here. Yeah, it's something. Uh, So we're going to be talking about that. And also, before we start off, I thought we could have a bit of a conversation about disruptions in the movie theater, because Ooh. I I experienced a, a disruption last night, which was kind of interesting. All right. And um, I thought we could just talk generally about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So <clears throat> last night, I, I was going to see Spider-Man Far From Home of course. in preparation for this. And about an hour in, the fire alarm went off. And they have a fire alarm here that uh, it's it's odd. It like it'll make the beeping noise, but then it like starts speaking to you in full sentences. It's like fire has been reported in the building. Please exit the building oh, and Jesus. make your way to the outside. And I'm like, oh, all right. So we all left, and we're outside there for like I don't know twenty minutes to half an hour. Fire department actually had to come in and like clear the building, and then we went in. And the movie was still playing like it, it had it hadn't left off. And it was kind of like it skipped over a really big part of the movie, uh, which I'll get to when we actually start discussing this movie. But um, so they had to rewind the movie. And it actually it was pretty straightforward the way they did it. They just sort of jumped back by little 10 minute segments until we hit the right spot. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking about like how that would have been like 10 or so years ago when we were still doing 35 millimeter. Like you can't rewind the film in the event of an emergency back no. then. Like they would have just refunded everyone. But this way, you know, we got to still watch the movie, which is pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, the fire alarm went off again about an hour <laughs> from the end. <laughs> did you ever did you find out what it was about? No, I think that there must have been something wrong with the alarm because like the second time they were like, just stay like you can watch and they turned off the sound, but it was the like the flashing lights on the fire alarm were still on. 
So we just like watched the rest of the movie with these lights flashing. Oh my God. I'm like trying to block them out of the corners of my eyes. It was very strange. On the plus side, that's like a very authentic New York experience, but this movie doesn't really take place in New York. So disregard what I said. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not at all. Spider-Man is a New Yorker, but this movie is not. Wow. Yeah. To their credit, uh, the AMC staff did a great job uh, getting everyone out on time and explaining what was going on. And they gave us free passes at the end, even though we watched the whole movie. So I thought they handled it pretty well. Yeah, you get you get free passes for, for twice. You should. Yeah. Although always... you I mean, you probably didn't need them, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But uh, it was still still nice that they were uh, trying to make it up to us. And uh, yeah, it just made me think about times that the movies have been interrupted. Like I heard recently um, that earthquake in California interrupted some people watching Midsummer, which must have been like a crazy. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I, I, yeah, I can't imagine Midsummer ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And thinking back on my own movie going experiences, I can only think of two other times when the, when there's been a reason for us to leave the theater. Um, one was when watching the first, well, not the first, but the first of the new Star Trek movies back in like 2009 or whatever. Um, the power went off midway through and it was 35 millimeter. So when it came back on, it just restarted right at the same place. Which That's actually, nice. Yeah, kind of convenient. It was just like a weird moment when it like powered down and went like, and then as it came back. Right. Um, and then another time when I was really little, I remember going to see the Goofy movie in theaters. Oh, my God. And they, the fire alarm went off during that one. And they had us just leave at that point. Well, maybe it was a real fire that time. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, I remember they had to bring the fire trucks out and everything. So who knows? Yeah, that, um, that time was probably a safety concern. <laughs> probably. But have you ever had anything like this happen to you? Yeah, um, it's happened once here in new york it happened when i saw winchester um if you remember that terrible horror movie (laughs) about the the house made by the gun people um yeah yeah it happened like it happened right at the outset like they the movie like it got through the trailers and then it just didn't play like nothing happened the the lights didn't go down or anything and i was like oh that's just like a missed cue and um, so I like everybody was just sitting there. And I was like, I guess I'll go tell someone also because I like I probably knew what was happening. Right. And so um, I went to go tell them and then I came back in and they were like, we'll start it up. So they started it and then it was it was all audio lights down, no video. And I was like, OK, <laughs> um, you have a bulb out. And so like I'm sitting here trying to relay all of this and they're like, OK. And so then halfway they fix it halfway through the movie. <laughs> we lose video again. <laughs> just have audio and everything going and i was like i hate to tell somebody this but like a light a bulb just blew again in this projector and so then i'm like going out there i'm like hey uh it's happening again so they're like jesus christ and so they get it started and they again start the movie without taking the lights down and at that point i'm like i'm done i'm watching this movie (laughs) with the lights on like i can't do this Um, but then somebody complains in the row behind me and i was like okay i'll get up so i literally this person complaining forced me to get up and go tell someone that the lights hadn't gone down and also meanwhile it's winchester which is like one of the shittiest horror movies of last year so like who cares if the lights are on or off you're not scared (laughs) anyway i'm sure right yeah but it also happened when i saw black swan it was a fire alarm when i saw black swan in movie theaters 
Ooh. We had a fire alarm in the middle of the movie and we did have to leave and they could not restart the movie for that showtime. But we got tickets to that the next showtime and another ticket to a movie anytime we wanted. Nice. Um, which ended up meaning we saw Black Swan and then stuck around and we saw another movie right afterwards and it was also like an Oscar contender. Mm. Um, so I just remember being like, wow, I'm on top of it this year. Little did yeah. I know that soon I'd be doing every movie. <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah yeah different game huh uh yeah I, I can definitely think of a number of projection problems i've run into over the past few, couple years um most recently when i was going to see midsummer i guess they just um uh, like the i think that they'd scheduled the showtime at like the last minute or something so that the film wasn't on that projector yeah because when we got in like they weren't showing any trailers or pre-show or anything. It was just dark. And then at some point someone came in and said like, yeah, we're just going to start it. Um, start the movie. Cause we don't have trailers or anything. And this was like, they well, clearly after. hadn't transferred the movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was well that. after the scheduled showtime. And yeah. then when they did start it, like none of the light cues were there or anything. So it took them a while to get the lights down. And then when the movie ended, the lights didn't go up at all. So we just had to walk out in the pitch black. God, I hate that. Like you so so yes, that's a that's good. But just like speaking as being like on the manager end, which you can attest to as well, have you ever been the person who has to run the showtime like that? Like who like they get a film at the Maybe. last minute and like has oh, to yeah. like just like it like fucking sucks. Like <laughs> and like yeah. especially like I mean, like with film, it's a whole different thing. It, with DCP, it really can suck if like you have to ingest it on one machine and then transfer it out and you are getting it last minute. You don't have the right keys to ingest either. So you're like, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't have time to build the playlist or put the yeah. light keys in. So you have to do it all manually. And sometimes yes. the sound doesn't switch over properly. So you have to switch the right sound input. Yeah, I would literally like well. if I had to do that, I'd be like in the projection booth, like somewhere. And I'd have like another like supervisor or manager on walkie. And I'd be like, OK, tell me when this is happening. OK, tell me what's going on. Like, <laughs> like running cues and it's like it's like the worst thing and that was really big um having worked for a theater that specialized in indie fare for about like 50 to 75 percent of its programming and there's a lot of indie studios that like to get you your actual movie the dcp itself the day of and oh so you God. you'd get it i'd get in for like the am shift at like you know six or seven and i'd have like I'd have to get everything ready for like a 5 p.m. showtime, which doesn't sound like a lot, but transferring movies while movies are actually running takes an extraordinary amount of time. Yeah. Sometimes. It takes like, easily <laughs> twice as long. So you're transferring like a two hour movie and it takes like four hours at least to ingest it. Four is honestly generous. Maybe it's just this theater in particular. Four was like, that's a good day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there are times where it'd be it like it can be an all day affair. And then more importantly, if I were, I often worked Thursday nights because that was, you know, previews as most the theaters do. And I was like the projection guy and also like just one of the, I don't want to say like better managers, but I was. <laughs> and like, uh, so people like I worked on That's busy real. nights often. Um, and like also it was important for me to work Thursdays because Fridays, all of the movies changed like fully the whole schedule. So I scheduled all of them Thursday night. Like, so Often what would happen is one of the other managers would open and would get the film that's supposed to open that Thursday night and just do jack shit with it. 
And Ooh. so I'd get in and like, I'm scheduled to be in at five and I, I'd always get in at like three or four on those days when it went on a Thursday, if I was scheduled to get in at five and I'd be like, did anybody do it? Did it do anything with this? Anybody? <laughs> I mean, like, like our standard protocol I had said in every meeting was cause I taught everybody to ingest. I was like, that's the like ingest and learn to transfer. That's the big thing. But I was like, but even if you just learn to ingest and then tell me so I can transfer cause I can remote in from home, I will do it. Like, you just have to tell me that you've done it. I cannot ingest. That's the one thing I can't do from home. Like, because yeah. <laughs> I cannot put the movie into the machine. I can't do it. And so um, I'd be like, you have to, like, do that part. And I taught them all. And every meeting, I'd be like, the one thing you need to do is just ingest it. And that's it. Like, as soon as you get it, ingest it. And then put it back on the, the rack to be sent back out. Mail it back out to the studio. Never did anyone do that. Not a single time. I was like, come on, it's so fucking easy. They'd be like, but we had other things to do. I'm like, me too. What do you think I do when I'm here? Like, <laughs> like but I find a way. Yeah, God. And so I just always... know that when it's like projection issues like that, it's like, I'm always like so sympathetic. I'm like, I feel so bad. I don't want to complain to anybody. I know how much this sucks, but also at the same time, help. Um, yeah, I just try to figure out what's going on and just let them know because I know exactly how that works. And in this situation, I definitely like as soon as we got in the theater, I'm like, they scheduled this at the last minute. And you can tell they haven't even <laughs> built the playlist yet. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know what's going on. You can just, tell when there's no pre-show and then like the lights are weird. Like maybe the house music is still playing and it shouldn't be like, oof. Yep. All right. So little interesting look into behind the scenes of the projection booth there as well as some specific incidents we've run into um, <laughs> yeah uh so going on to my recent incident at spider-man why don't we start by discussing this movie all right all right we should do that yeah. so spider-man far from home is if you don't know oh first of all full spoilers um yeah for yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home and also Avengers Endgame, if by some chance you're one of the few people who haven't seen it, it's impossible to talk about this movie without talking about Avengers Endgame. Right. So we will obviously be spoiling the events of Avengers Endgame and a lot of the MCU, I assume. So yeah. this is obviously connected. the first follow-up to Avengers Endgame, which ended a massive phase in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, you know, the phase that we all started with. And saw the end of some of like our main characters, the characters that we've followed for like some of them for like almost the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, if not the whole thing. Right. Iron Man I, obviously comes to mind <laughs> is the whole yeah. time. <laughs> and I thought it was kind of funny how the movie opens with like sort of a pseudo uh, memoriam to those characters. And then it turns out to be like part of the, the high school broadcast at Peter's school. Okay. That was hilarious. Okay. That was very funny. Um, that is, so the way the movie opens, first of all, it opens actually surprisingly in the action with like Nick Fury, right? Like it's a cold open Nick Fury and what's her name from how I met your mother are, um, it's Kobe Smulders. Kobe I just can't Smulders, remember her yeah. character, her character. Um, yeah, there. She's just Robin. I just know Maria Hill, Robin. Agent Hill. So, um, right. so they're in, they're like investigating an incident and she's like, Oh, I don't know why you think this matters. A town, it was a tornado. Like that happens. 
And but then while they're there, they're attacked by a giant rock monster or something or a wind monster. I think it was rock here. And yeah. Mysterio immediately shows up. And so, like, that really surprised me that we literally see Mysterio before we see Spider-Man, I gotta say. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> um, so, like, so you think that it's gonna start with, like, this action sequence, and then it immediately cuts to, like, the Marvel, like, title card, like they always do, and then it goes into this weird intro. Um, and I just think the opening is a weird choice. I, like, I, I like this movie, by and large, but even, like, looking back on it, I can't really make sense of why they opened it the way they did. Like, why bother with that? Why not just go straight to the <laughs> Spider-Man action? Like, yeah, it didn't really add anything. It didn't really heighten any intrigue because we'd literally seen the scene of Mysterio like in the trailer. Like that that part is in the trailers. So I don't know what it added. All it did was like give me some like weird whiplash. I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah, um, and Mysterio doesn't even really properly get introduced until much later in the film, and that scene also serves as an effective introduction so right. yeah it, it does feel it was a like a weird nicer. like sort of like ham hey, i don't know it just like didn't need to be there and it like i felt felt like it like i think i mean when the scene happened and mysterio introduced himself and then it cut to the marvel card like my a lot of people around me were like wait what like i just gotta say the audience did not understand what was happening so marvel that was weird and normally i think that your movies are very tightly structured in a way that doesn't leave room for like weird scenes that feel that off kilter. That was weird. Um, so, but then it does go to, it's like weird, like in school, <laughs> like montage of like, we miss the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and during that, that first bit with the school broadcast, we also find out like one of the big, uh, like this never really came into play much, but they did mention it, which was kind of weird that one of the big impacts of the so-called blip where like half the world was dead for five years is that people who were left on earth are now five years older, but people who uh, like got killed and then came back are the same age they were when they got killed. Right. <laughs> so it was like, there's some people who like would be five years older, but they're still in high school yeah, even though they would be in their 20s. Which is, yeah, I I think, um, I actually thought the movie did really well with handling some of that. I thought it was like, it was like interesting and weird. Like, <laughs> um, and it's like, they made it really funny. Something that could have been like a really, I mean, it's a very dark concept. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, kids would be fucked up. Um, you know, you have the one kid, um, who's doing like the, he's like, it's like two school reporters, essentially. And one of them is like, now my little brother is actually older than me. And and the other girl is like, yeah, that's how math works. And it's like, yeah, but like in reality, like that would screw you up. Like that like alters your entire family dynamic. Just yeah. Right, <laughs> exactly. The, you just come back and all of a sudden you've got this older brother. You're like, who is this? What's going on? Why am I the little brother now? Right. And why am I still in high school? Like, right. And I, I think that the movie, like, bringing that up was, like, a smart way to do it. Like, it, you know, talking about just how weird that is. And I really loved when they showed that, like, footage of, like, somebody had recorded <laughs> when the snap happened in the high school gym. And, like, people just, like, disappeared and everybody was screaming. Oh, but God. then it also showed them blipping back. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> it's just, like, immediately people are getting hit in the head with, like, balls, like, from out of nowhere. And they're like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, but I do find it, like... 
horrifying that they would show that on the high school news just like oh yeah here are all your friends dissolving away um well they're all back now you know (laughs) i do think it's convenient that of the characters in this movie the characters who happen to have blipped and come back gotta say um oh i mean of course of course it is like spider-man his best friend and mj um they all just happened to blip good for them um his like his class rich kid bully like they all blipped good for them (laughs) all the important characters blipped um so yeah the basic premise of this movie is that um peter parker aka spider-man is going on this school trip to europe um with uh mary jane and his friend and just like the whole class and he's trying to like basically be a normal kid he's trying to uh tell mj how he feels better and just do normal kid stuff in the meanwhile there's the these elementals which are like monsters made of like rock or fire or water that start attacking in various parts of europe and he gets called up by nick fury to help with this and also there's this new hero called Mysterio who showed up fighting these elementals. He claims to be from a different version of Earth in an alternate universe where Earth was destroyed by these elementals and now he's trying to stop the same thing from happening here. Correct. That is exactly what's happening. So that's a that's a good like succinct summary of what the what yeah. it's all about. <laughs> yeah. That that leads us basically up to the middle of the movie. Um, so yeah, I like, first of all, (laughs) I find like, did you ever have a class trip where you went to like multiple countries in Europe? No, but I mean, I mean, no, first of all, no, (laughs) that's just like, I, and like when I had a class trip, like to another country, it, the offer was put forward exactly one time and it was definitely like, we're going, but also you still have to pay for virtually every aspect of it. So like, there was no, like. I was not going. I personally could not do that. So that's great. Um, it seemed like here everything was being paid for. Of course, we find out in the movie why that is. But like, right. <laughs> yeah, so, that was not a thing for me. Well, I mean, later in the movie, S.H.I.E.L.D. starts paying for them to go to different parts of Europe so they can sort of coax Spider-Man to go to places where these attacks are happening. Uh, but like, even in the first part, like these kids are going to Venice and they like they fly directly into Venice, first yes. of all, which you don't really do. I, I I mean, maybe there's an airport there, but I'm sure it's way more expensive than flying into Rome. Uh, right. And some of them are like taking gondola rides and stuff. I'm like, that is that is a very expensive <laughs> ride you're taking right there. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know that. But it does provide a lot of opportunities for them to go to interesting settings do the whole Euro trip thing. Which uh, is like a classic like teen movie trope too. Right. Like a Euro yeah. trip thing. Yeah. So it's interesting to sort of, we, you sort of get to see Marvel take on the Euro trip genre in a way. They, they've they sort of done this with other um, like classic movie tropes and sort of doing their own version of them. So this I, is basically Marvel's Euro trip movie. Yeah. And I thought that they, it's worked particularly well for them with Spider-Man. I mean, I thought that um, Spider-Man Homecoming was very much a riff on like, just like your classic high school movie in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought that that worked really, really well. And so I thought it was nice for them to do like this next leg of the high school movie. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. I think it worked. 
more or less. I mean, it's obviously when I think high school movies, I do tend to think a little less on the PG side of things. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, this is Marvel still at the end of the day. Next one's going to be the uh, Spider-Man version of Porky's. And it's just going to be like a full raunchy teen comedy. Can't wait for that. Spider-Man <laughs> goes full American pie. Um, it'll be good. It'll be really good. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, um, the, yeah, I guess, is there anything interesting that happens in the first half, like before the big reveal that we can talk about? Cause I'm I, thinking, you know, the big, big, big reveal, um, yeah. quote unquote, I feel like it's a reveal everyone will see coming, but, um, not like, I mean, I think that like, not really. Like, some of the stuff with, like, Aunt May is kind of interesting in the start. Like, she seems to have adjusted really well to the fact that people blipped out and died. And yeah. and also the fact that she, like, her, like, effective son is Spider-Man. She's, like, not only totally fine with him going to fight crime all the time. She's, like, encouraging of it. She's profiting off of it. I mean, not profiting. She's getting money off of it, though, for an, a charity. Um, She's, like, no, come here and help me fundraise. Like, she's, like, really gung-ho about the Spider-Man thing. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting, complete difference from any other movie Aunt May we've seen, right? I mean, right. Aunt May doesn't usually know, first of all. like, <laughs> Right. And if at any point she does know, she's not usually, like, gung-ho about it. It's more of a, like, please be careful type thing. <laughs> so... I, yeah. I do. I, we see it early on that Aunt May is like really into him being Spider-Man. Like she likes it. Yeah, that scene where she was like holding a benefit that Spider-Man was helping with was kind of weird too. Like they, they Spider-Man was like so super awkward, and like I guess that's understandable. But also like you're totally giving away that he's just like some weird high school kid right now. Well, can anybody not hear it in his voice? I mean, when he speaks, I know Tom Holland isn't like 16 years old, but he really sounds it as Spider-Man. Yeah, he does. Um, so it well, like, like does he doesn't does he usually do a lot of like really PR type stuff where he's out there just like speaking to people? Do you mean Tom Holland or Spider-Man? I mean Spider-Man. Like other in, than this, in the movie in character. Yeah, other than this one no, scene, I don't think he does. Yeah. So but know, that's maybe. probably why he doesn't, because he exactly. would sound like a kid. Mm. Yeah. But what I think it does do is starts like a theme that plays out throughout the entire movie of just like, this is a kid who wants to be a kid and is not being afforded that luxury and how much that kind of sucks. And like, he's not even from like within his own home, he's not being given the chance to just be a kid. Right. Um, where the movie comes down on that is ultimately, I think, not the most optimistic but we can get to that later um <laughs> but yeah I, I i think that that's just like that benefit scene where he's out there being forced to like talk to the audience and take questions especially like they're asking him some heavy questions for a 16 year old like how does it feel to be the new tony stark which is of course another major theme of this film yeah um, he's like, like, has to be like he's not iron man like he's not trying to be iron man he's a kid yeah he's Everybody a child wants him to be iron man basically and so, and that does actually, there is one like big thing that does happen uh, in the first half of the movie, um, which is that he's given this gift from Tony Stark, um, which is a pair of glasses 
that are equipped with like an AI called Edith, which can basically control all the Stark Industries technology. And um, you can use it for like for drones and for like reading people's cell phones and stuff like that. Just like any sort of technology thing you can imagine. Basically, these glasses are capable of. Yeah, notably the drones. Um, Also worth noting that Edith stands for even dead. I am the hero because Tony Stark (laughs) is that kind of person. Yep. So an asshole. Yeah. Yes, that's Um, who he is. So but. Peter feels like kind of conflicted about these glasses. Like he clearly likes having them because he can use them to do things like uh, delete a compromising picture of him from the bully's cell phone. Uh, but also he doesn't seem like he really wants this power. It's uh, no it's sort of been given to him and he's he doesn't like, want any power. He like yeah. really just wants to like have his summer and kiss MJ. That's yeah. all he wants. Yeah, his big plan is to uh, to buy this gift for her in Venice and then give it to her on top of the Eiffel Tower. And that's like all he's talking about the whole movie is that, that he's trying to do this. Um, and they do go to Venice. He does get the gift. But of course, it's in Venice where they first encounter an elemental and Mysterio. Yeah, and that sort of derails the rest of their trip. They never end up going to Paris. So uh, he sort of has to improvise from there. Yes. So the big reveal about Mysterio, um, which I guess we can get to, they this is the scene, by the way, this is the scene where uh, the fire alarm went off. <laughs> oh, wow. Movie. So it's like the most pivotal scene in the movie. They go to a bar together. And um, so it's worth like, noting that they're going to this bar to celebrate. Yeah. Because they've just beaten the fire elemental, which was like the biggest one. It was supposed to show up in Prague. The whole Prague thing has been like building. Nick Fury's involved in all of this and getting them together. Nick Fury is not letting Spider-Man go do his own thing, even though Spider-Man said he didn't want to fight this thing, which by the way seems fair because Spider-Man is effectively useless against the elementals. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty big and bad. And he's just like shooting little webs at him. Yeah. And they're made of like fire, which by the way, webs don't hurt. Um, no. so it's like, it, like, I don't know what, I don't know why Nick here, whatever. Um, so there's this whole thing about that. And so they beat it and they're like, let's go get a drink. <laughs> yeah. And, um, like Peter's just sort of talking to him about how he doesn't really want to be the hero, how he just wants to be a kid. And like, that's what he's trying to do right now on this trip. But, uh, things keep pulling him away from that. Um, and he ends up in this scene giving the glasses over to Mysterio and like reassigning them to him in the system uh, because he feels like they they should be wielded by someone who's an adult and who is ready to take on that responsibility and be the hero and how he doesn't want to deal with that right now. He just wants to try to enjoy the rest of his class trip. And but which, before- by the way, seems like a safety oversight on Tony Stark's part. The fact that he could yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, that he can just like give it to anyone and they yeah. have complete control over Stark Especially Industries. this person, as we come to find out. But yeah. So we find out in this scene right after uh Peter leaves that like much of this bar is like an illusion. It's like projections and stuff. 
and uh it's all like this thing that mysterio has been cooking up this whole time he has these projectors that can make things appear real and he also have these has these drones that can go around and create these projections and also cause damage to make it look like these projections have like actual mass and right. body to them um and they basically reveal in this scene that there's this web of conspiracy among like former Stark employees and some other various people that felt slighted by Tony Stark. And they're doing this to like create a new hero uh, to sort of, I guess, to prove some sort of point. I don't I, really it's, know. Uh, so it's they, very unclear what they expect to achieve with this hero. Other yeah. than just like Mysterio will be like a big deal. Like, I don't know. Like they're like, they're going to make Beck be on top of the world, but like, what will that do for them? I have yeah, no idea. I, I, don't, I don't know what the end game is exactly. We can hear that the main plan is to like, they, they've been making all these elementals the whole time, by the way. Um, like they, they, it's all been faked by them. Although the damage is real. The people who die are real because they're getting, but they're getting killed by these drones instead of by like this giant monster. And so um, their plan is to like use these attacks to sort of prove Mysterio's ability to beat these enemies. And then he'll become like a full-time part of the Avengers. But I don't really know what the goal is after that. If he, they like just let him be the hero after that, or if he has some sort of other motive that he's going to try to accomplish at some point. My assumption was that but, he had some sort of like tech company or something he wanted to build up to be a rival to Stark Industries. Like that's the only thing I can think of. That would um, make and sense. He, and he would he was hoping to use like the Mysterio situation as like leverage to make that happen. But it doesn't make sense because the Mysterio character that he creates is like basically an alien from another world. Like what would that have to do to get him his company? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. So but basically uh, this this was the scene in the movie where the fire alarm went off for me. Um, and I did know that Mysterio was going to do the heel turn at some point in this movie. Uh, but I mean, otherwise, was, the movie would have made no sense. Yeah, right. But it was kind of funny um, that like we had to leave before the part of the scene here where um, Peter gives over the glasses and we came back and like Peter's already talking about like how like, oh, Mysterio tricked me. Like we have to stop him. He's the bad guy. <laughs> And it's just like this is huge. Do we miss like this gap of like the most important part of the movie? You come back in and just like everything's different. Like what's going on? So then we had to rewind it back and it all made sense later. But it was just very funny in the moment. I'm like, yep, yeah, he was the bad guy. Called it. He sure was. I mean, we all knew that was going to happen. I think that that, I mean, we said it's a big moment, but I feel like anybody can see that coming. Um, otherwise, this movie has no effective villain, which you know a Marvel movie is not going to do. Right. Um, so, I mean, I guess the villain could almost be Nick Fury for much of the movie, like just like on an emotional level, um, like the way Nick he's like manipulating <laughs> Tony or Peter Parker. Like <laughs> Nick Fury acts like a villain in parts of this movie. Like he'll he'll be like just telling off Peter for like no reason. He's sort of after... like your like bad principal character and like, right. a high school movie. Yes. Like. He's always just around to like yell at him. And he, I mean, I'm sorry. Some of the things he gets pissed off at Peter for are like absolutely ridiculous. Like, he'll be like, Peter, 
you're good, but you didn't want to be here for this fight. And it's like, yeah, you kidnapped him to put him here. Of course he didn't want to be here. Yeah. He literally told you he didn't want to be here. And he still did his job. Like he still helped out despite the fact that he didn't want to be there at all. And he was just trying to take his little class trip. Uh, so it, it was course, ridiculous. Did you stay for the, the post credit scene? Yes, I did. Okay. So, uh, we, I mean, there's more to even that story about Nick right. Fury. True, um, true. <laughs> we'll get into um, that as well. Yeah. Um, but it's like Nick Fury is not a nice guy in this movie at all. Like, and it, it's like he really, like, the whole time he does read as like a villain and like not in like your typical superhero movie sense, just in like your like high school movie sense. Like, he's the guy who's like being a hard ass to this kid who just wants to have a good time. Um, yeah. You know? And for seemingly no good reason. I mean, his reasoning is, of course, he needs somebody to help save the world. And even though Spider-Man doesn't seem to see it, he really is like the only major name hero left standing right now. So I don't know what he thinks would happen. Um, Yeah. The world doesn't have a Captain America and Iron Man anymore. And Thor is on another planet. So and Captain Marvel, don't invoke her name. I don't know what the fuck (laughs) that meant. We're not allowed to talk about her unless it's like for a Deus Ex Machina type. Yeah, it's like don't talk about her because there's no logical explanation for why she can't come here and just end everything. <laughs> yeah. Um so but yeah, so like, you know, he he doesn't want to be doing this and you have Nick Fury always like hounding him. Um there was like one part that really pissed me off and I can't remember what exactly Nick Fury said, but it was something that was just like completely out of line to say to a 16 year old like i was just like please like this is a kid i don't even know if he's 16 technically in this movie is he 15 still like he might be i I don't know i but he he very much reads as not even like a fully grown high schooler like a younger high schooler absolutely and like he acts like it because he should be he should be able to have that he also just to remind everyone died for five years (laughs) <laughs> right. so he's traumatized i don't he's probably I don't know how to tell you coping with that a little bit he has seen like what happens after death if anything so he's like been through it because he's 15 and done that like i don't know he, he's having a hard time maybe we could go a little easier on peter parker and like he's he's also dealing with his father figure having been killed as well from yeah. tony stark yeah and like, so like what Fury does when he, when Peter's like, no, I don't want to do that. And he's like, okay, you can leave. And so Peter leaves like after this like brief powwow with Nick Fury and Mysterio and um, Maria Hill. And like, he just leaves. And so Nick Fury then kidnaps him, takes him to certain places, funds like every stop on his trip. Like, so that the class is always right around where the elementals are going to attack, which first of all is rude because Peter said no. And he's a kid. And second of all, is completely absurd because you are now like completely unnecessarily like putting in the line of danger this class of like t- teenagers for yeah. virtually no reason. <laughs> Super and, like they're teenagers that you know Peter is close to, like his best friends there, like the girl he likes is there. So why I mean, why do you not think that's going to cause a problem? Like <laughs> Yeah, it's Nick Fury is not best guy in this movie no Um, but maybe that's somewhat explained by what we find out later who knows i well Um, i mean yeah some of his like just like demeanor is yeah 
Um, so yeah, so Mysterio's evil. We've got that much. Um, ha- and Peter doesn't realize right away afterwards. Like I, I thought this the the scene like the second half of the bar scene where like Mysterio reveals his whole plot and everything, even though the plot was a little convoluted, it was pretty cool. Like I, I like the way they did it. I like, I just love were. Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. I oh, know he's that amazing. he's like, he's like a bad guy and he's like really like really has no morals because he's like, ah, just kill whoever. If it means that we get back at the dead guy, Tony Stark, um, <laughs> we all really show him. Um, uh-huh. but like, he's so charming. Like, it like would work on me. Like if he <laughs> told me to get into a plan to like get back at this dead man who like definitely doesn't care about the revenge that we exact on him anymore. I would like, if he told it to me with that sort of charm, I'd be like, yeah, you're right, man. Yeah. We got to do Jill it. We, we've got to show that man through the grave. <laughs> He'll roll over. I promise. Yeah. He's good like that. He, he was bringing some of that night crawler energy in this yeah. role. Uh, it was good. He played like sort of a charming kind of sociopath, um, much like that movie. So uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was, he was twisted, but likable, which I thought was really cool. And, um, and the plan while a little convoluted had like some cool technology and stuff behind it and is used in some cool scenes later on. Uh, so uh, speaking of which, this projector technology that they're using, the only way that Peter finally figures out um, what happened, uh, like why that Mysterio is actually causing all of this, uh, is because MJ actually picks up a piece of the projector that gets knocked down during the Prague attack. Um, and it's covered with the Spider-Man web, which I guess is what knocked it off the drone to begin with. Yes, because it's uh, it was around the Ferris wheel, and Peter at this point is trying to get um, his best friend and his best friend's short-lived girlfriend um, off of the Ferris wheel. And like while he's throwing webs around, it hits this thing, and Peter goes, "Wait, what the? What is that?" But he doesn't have time to really like figure it out because he's fighting the fire elemental. So MJ picks up the thing that he knocked down with it. Yeah, and so when he's trying to have like a romantic moment with her later and like confess his feelings. She thinks that he's going to confess to being Spider-Man because she has this thing covered with spider web. And she's like, Spider-Man was here. You're here. It all makes sense. Like I've suspected you for a while. You're Spider-Man. And she kind of gets him to confess that he's Spider-Man. But also from this thing, they figure out that this projector is what was causing the elementals. Like they drop it. And one of the elementals appears out of nowhere. Right. And so like right away they figure out like, oh, Mysterio is not legit and he's causing all this. And then That's true. <laughs> Peter right has it. to like admit to Nick Fury what happened, um, which is this is when the movie starts getting really crazy. I think is that scene where he goes to supposedly Europol, which I guess is their stand in for Interpol here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When he goes to their headquarters, supposedly, and tries to tell Nick Fury about it, and it turns out the whole building and like everyone in it is another um is another projection. Yeah, so things get real weird uh in this scene. It's like crazy. <laughs> yeah. What it reminded me of was um 
this is like a this is a really weird poll here <laughs> but uh from the game batman arkham asylum the some scarecrow of the, stuff yeah some of the scarecrow stuff in there where it was just like so basically mysterio with these projections has an ability to like completely warp reality and take you into a different reality in a split second and he uses it very effectively to fight like he'll make spider-man run into walls and stuff and he'll make him think he's punching someone but he's just punching out of the wall and he'll make him think that uh he's won and the whole thing is over but really it's another illusion and there's just all sorts of crazy stuff that's done in this scene uh which i thought was really cool and definitely yeah it's very me. cool it's very it's all very effective it's like one of the i mean it's definitely creates some of the most like visually dynamic sequences in the film um it's also one of the first times the marvel cinematic universe has gotten like truly weird visually like that doesn't happen a lot in the mcu there's a lot of like oh, i mean i don't want to say straightforward because there's a lot of stuff that looks really cool and good but it's usually not that weird and this there's is like weird stuff really weird there's some weird stuff in like thor ragnarok or um dr dr, dr. strange of course dr. Um, strange does but yeah, um, this sidebar, the next Doctor Strange is going to be awesome. Um, bet, yeah. Have you have you heard about it? I have not really heard anything about it's it. It's the title. It's called. Um, I don't want to get too far into this, but it's called like Doctor Strange in the the Maze of Madness or something. And the font is based on like a, an, a Lovecraft text, the, oh, the, the Carpenter, um, the John Carpenter in the Mouth of Madness. And, it, and they've said that it's going to be horror themed. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, yes. Um, I thought heavily of Doctor Strange when this scene happened, and um, I was like, "Wow!" Now I want to see the next Doctor Strange movie because that was like one of the highlights of Doctor Strange was just how like weird visually the whole thing was. Um, right. And so like this, these Mysterio sequences were similar in that regard. They were very, they did feel very different also from anything that happens in Doctor Strange. Um, but just like similar in that it was finally marvel letting some sort of like visual experimentation happening um it's been a long time coming for them to do that so i hope they can continue with that trend yeah let's get more like trippy villains like this yeah like warp reality i guess we did see we again we saw like little glimpses of this during both infinity war and um end game like any time that they used some of the like weirder stones in the infinity gauntlet um to like warp reality and stuff like that you could see a little bit of that right you could uh, yeah but it wasn't quite it was like it was like definitely i mean it's very that was very visually impressive i gotta say um but it wasn't quite as like just like balls out weird as some of the stuff that happens in this these sequences with mysterio right things are like pretty nutty at times like (laughs) and it's all like very like symbol laden like it's like very meaningful to peter he like mysterio has like somehow cracked like the code of everything peter parker is and he's like hitting him with like things that remind him of home while he's away so it's like this all of this stuff is happening he's like makes him see uncle ben's grave and stuff like that's like damn that's screwed up yeah <laughs> he's so, like, really messing with him it's like all sorts of stuff that he's having to deal with and so it like it works really well. There's like a zombie Iron Man at one point. Um, yes. Oh my God. That scene is like straight horror. I was like, oh my God. I can't believe they put this in the movie. I really liked it. I thought it's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's what it is. Um, nice. Sorry. That's the, that's the Doctor Strange sequel. I had to look it up. So 
anyway, Marvel needs to keep doing this weird shit. And even though Mysterio was probably a one-time villain, if they find a way to bring him back so he can do this, I'd be happy because this scene was awesome. <laughs> yeah, very awesome. Uh, definitely my favorite. And I liked a lot of the other stuff they did with Mysterio's powers, but this particular sequence was definitely a highlight. Well, a lot of his like other powers, yes, it was cool that it was like AR and like he could like do all of this stuff and nobody could tell that it wasn't real. It was sort of like, I don't want to say like standard superhero fare, but it sort of was. It was like standard big monster thing is fighting and destroying right. buildings. Like that's not really like visually anything we haven't seen since the superhero boom took over in film, you know? But like this, this weird, like, like, I don't know, like surrealist symbolism thing that was happening there. That was like something that we don't see in like mainstream superhero film. So it's like night. It was like a refreshing change from anything we're used to seeing and i really liked it mm -hmm. a lot yeah so um the last the last whole section of this movie uh well at the end of this fight scene um mysterio causes spider-man to like basically wander onto a set of train tracks trying to fight mysterio that he doesn't yes. realize are there and he gets hit by a train at the end. Um, and then Mysterio basically just sort of assumes that that got him. Um, and I mean, he, that's like not an unreasonable assumption. Really? Because most people getting hit by a train, uh, that'd be it. But we so, know Spider-Man doesn't die from getting hit by a train because we all saw Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yes. The actual, the, the original Spider-Man 2. Um, not Spider-Man 2 two or spider-man two three but yeah stop i'm i'm good <laughs> my head hurts is this a mysterio <laughs> fever dream i don't know what's going on <laughs> um, <laughs> you know not not the incredible spider-man two or spider-man homecoming no no no, no, no. there was never an incredible spider-man it was the amazing spider -Man. amazing spot of course All you right, gotta sorry. get your heaven forbid correct right um, right okay um, incredible is strictly for the hulk yes okay got it got it um many apologies so anyway he gets hit by this train and he ends up he gets onto the train after getting hit and then just like passes out and wakes up in prison in the netherlands okay um, yeah he sure does and <laughs> i gotta say this whole like netherlands sequence like everybody was so like friendly and nice and like i know it's the netherlands but um he like breaks the jail cell so he can just leave and the people in the jail cell just quietly close the jail cell back and stay in their cell <laughs> and like he leaves and somebody lets him use their phone and everything's nice and they're in a field of like tulips and like the whole time i was like is this like another is mysterio involved in this like this is fake right like <laughs> right yeah i was very no, confused <laughs> it's just it's just uh the netherlands they're just nice there i guess um and he gets picked up by hap in the like that hover plane thing um that hover plane thing it's a jet but it like hovers over the it hovers over the field of tulips right yeah but this is the avengers universe okay, jets do yeah. that now. all right so it's just a hover this jet. is the universe right. where augmented reality can like destroy the london bridge <laughs> right yeah <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet um but yeah um Mysterio, meanwhile, goes on to London for the final final elemental attack, which is supposed to be the one to like bring him over the top. 
and make him like a big hero. Uh, and well, let's be clear. It wasn't supposed to happen in the first place. They were supposed to be done with those with the last one. This just had to be due to wipe out loose ends. Right, right. Yeah. So they, they create this final attack also is like a cover to kill off the people who know that Mysterio is not a good guy. Which are, um, so, just so we can all follow along at home, uh, Peter Parker, Peter Parker's best friend, uh, MJ, and maybe Peter Parker's best friend's girlfriend. Right. Yeah. And also Nick Fury, because he told Nick Fury. Nick Fury thing. and Maria Hill. Yes. Right. Yes. So he's trying to kill all those off in London. Um, Hap is helping Peter get to London in time. And also they build him a new Spider-Man suit on board. And yeah, so that it all culminates in this final battle in the middle of London, which is pretty cool. Uh, again, they're using the AR devices to create this giant elemental, but Peter like flies inside the elemental because it's really just projection. Yeah, he like gets into the projection somehow into the simulation. Um, I yeah, <laughs> with that. He's like in the matrix now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so he's like in there and he's just like webbing up all of the drones. He's like, if I like break a bunch of them, obviously the whole thing will be like basically unraveled because like a large part of the, you know, the augmented reality thing would then fail and you'd see like half an elemental or whatever. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what he's like doing. He's webbing them. The illusions sort of falling apart and people are like, Oh, what's going on? Eventually, they they take down the illusion because it's clearly not working. And like I so I don't know what Mysterio's plan is at this point. Like he he keeps going despite this. He's like, all right, fine, turn off the projections, but keep the drones on. Like they're still gonna go out and shoot these people. But I don't know what Well, we are... find out what the plan is sort of at the end. Yeah. In true. the mid-credit scene. That's sort I think, of I think he's established by then. That he's like, no matter what happens here, I can swing it a certain way. Um, and we'll get to that when we cover like the very end. I guess. Um, um, so he does get tracked down. He tries to shoot Peter with the drones on this, uh, I guess, on the top of the Tower Bridge in London. Uh, and he's using the projections to like create more illusions like he did before so peter doesn't see the drones coming but yeah it's what uh, but peter finally uses his spider sense to see where they are and to yes attack, like i just have them. to point out that while this is all happening there's a scene where it goes back to like the weird style mysterio thing that he did before where he was like creating everything surrealistic and like in this weird like not real world um and the moment everything got dark and peter was in that long dark hallway with a green fog again the kid directly behind me, it was like silent in this moment, just goes, not again. (laughs) (laughs) And we were all like, okay, yeah. (laughs) Kid, you've been through a lot. You've really gone through it today. (laughs) Um, It was very funny. It was like a six-year-old child. (laughs) Oh, child. So he uses his spider sense to get past these, the drones. And as Mysterio is still using the drones, despite them being like really close to him and drawn back because Peter's fighting him off. Uh, he gets shot by the drones and he's apparently lying down on the ground and 
Peter comes over to like to talk to him, and then he suddenly like reaches up and blocks something, and it turns out it's Mysterio actually standing up and trying to shoot him. <laughs> it's just like one last illusion that like he wasn't actually lying on the ground. I um, really appreciate that part. That um, was very cool. Great last minute jab there. But uh yeah, Spider-Man stops it. And yeah, for Spider-Man, honestly. Yeah. Basically saves the day. And yeah. Well, that's what he does, you know. Mhm. Good job. He managed to to fight off a pretty big villain this time. And then he's good so, like that. Yeah. Now he finally gets together with MJ and he's like flying her around New York City, classic Spider-Man style. But she basically like after the first time, she does not want to fly around the webs anymore. Um, yeah, she yeah. really did not like that. I was I'm honestly kind of surprised. I thought she'd love it. <laughs> no, it's apparent. It apparently makes her sick. So that that sort of wraps up the the basic story before the credits. And uh, it looks like, you know, things are going to mostly go back to normal for Spider-Man. He's going to still try to be a kid going to school and be Spider-Man in the meantime. But uh, we have some some big revelations during the credits of this one. We sure do. And they're setting you up for some like some doozies in the next two, in the next few movies, huh? Um. <laughs> for real. So, I, I, we're going to jump right in, right? Yeah, might as okay. well. So, in the first scene we get is mid-credits. We get uh, a scene where it's right after Peter and MJ have just been, like, swinging around the city. Uh, they've been running around on their date, and she's decided she never wants to do that again. Um, <laughs> and so, they, <laughs> they sit down, and she's, like, still right behind him when a special news alert comes on. And it's none other than J. Jonah Jameson, yes. infamous Spider-Man hating reporter, and also still J.K. Simmons. Um, <laughs> Which was awesome. I was so glad they got I him. I love that. That was amazing. Um, <laughs> I like when it happened, even like everybody in my theater cheered. It was just like a big moment. I, that, that's awesome. Great win. I mean, that's a coup for Marvel. I don't even know what to say. Very that's much. awesome. Like, um yeah especially considering they didn't even make the like the original spider-man movies that had him exactly like this was like he was in the sony ones and like and like they also didn't i mean i i like to think i tend to stay pretty well versed in movie news i didn't know that he was doing this i will say i tend to avoid like marvel spoilers and that's not a part of like the world that i'm a part of but like i really did not expect him to show up in this movie so i was like genuinely surprised in the best way I was like, wow, that is amazing. Um, the only way this, and like, now I just wish that, you know, the multiverse thing could happen. We could get Toby Maguire. Anyway, um, yes. I really want to get all of them in the, in a movie sometime. Um, so including the characters from into the spider verse. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> um, he shows up and it's basically, he's saying Spider-Man is not who you think he is. He's evil. Um, because J Jonah Jameson always thinks that. Yeah. And he his proof is this video from Spider-Man's and Mysterio's fight that has been heavily, let's say, edited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very much to make it, with. To make it look like Spider-Man is ordering a drone attack 
on all the people of London while it's happening. Um, I gotta say, Spider-Man used some unfortunate choice of words in the fight against Mysterio. You know, he says, like, execute all command, like, okay, maybe don't, just don't say execute. Like, could you just, like, say go through, like, I don't know. Execute is just a strong word, Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, you much. set yourself up for failure. It's 2019. You had to know we're all being recorded. At Don't all check time. your words. Um, uh, it also shows him killing Mysterio, but it makes it look like Mysterio was like the good guy here, and that, and uh, that he was, he was the alien from another planet. Right, doubling yeah. down on that. Yeah, he includes part of that in his message. He's like, "My home planet needs to know um, what happened to me, or whatever." Um, yeah. So basically trying to disguise everything about his plan in this last effort to like, even if he was going to die, he's going to take down Spider-Man in the process and ruin his reputation. Exactly. Into a villain. Um, and then <laughs> it gets worse for yeah. good old friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> and at the very end, he just says the Spider-Man's real name is Peter Parker. And, and flashes they, a photo. Yeah. It could like it could have been okay if he just said his name is Peter Parker because you know there are a ton of Peter Parkers in New York City. Right. But he had to flash the fucking photo. Yeah. Everybody knows. God. Yeah. Uh I did think it was great that uh J. Jonah Jameson in this reality works for the Daily Bugle.net. Which oh, yeah, is that like was good. it's like an InfoWars type ripoff. Um which is and, totally what J. Jonah Jameson would do. Absolutely. In this reality, definitely. And I thought it was funny that this is the second movie we've seen in the past month or so that's had an InfoWars ripoff after Brightburn did the same thing at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. Yeah. that wow. time Superhero was, movies are really out here doing it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and this, um, this movie in general really kind of dug in on the whole fake news thing. And like just the sort of zeitgeist of the moment, it um, like Mysterio would keep saying all these things about how like the people believe what I show them. And uh, that's his like, whole thing. People, yeah. The people yeah. believe what he wants them to believe. Exactly. So th there's like an undercurrent in this whole movie about uh, just like falsifying reality and making people believe stuff by just showing them exactly what you want them to see, but not what you don't want them to see. Right. Which is upsetting. I mean, because yeah. I think he's, I think he's right. That of course they will. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, a lot of examples very, that I don't even want to get into right now. It's very uh, topical, I would say. Yeah. Um. So that's the first credit scene, and then there's one more at the very end. Um. Yes, there is. <laughs> so this, this one I can't even admit to fully understanding, but uh. It's clear. So so in the end, it turns out um, we see Nick Fury and Maria Hill are driving around. And then um, Maria Hill is like, you got to tell him sometime. Like, you got to tell, tell him what happened. And so what it turns out is that Maria Hill and Nick Fury that we've been seeing this whole movie are actually scrolls as featured heavily in Captain Marvel. Um, they've uh, just okay. been impersonating Nick Fury. And right. and Maria Hill and we know from Captain Marvel that Nick Fury has a good relationship with the Skrulls. So Nick Fury, meanwhile, is out taking a little sabbatical after being blipped, and um, he's 
out on a scroll ship, just sort of commanding the ship and having a, a little relaxing time away. And so yeah. what they're basically, the scrolls are basically, right. The scrolls are basically like, it's time for you to come back. We need the real Nick Fury, which does explain maybe some of Nick Fury's lackluster handling of Peter Parker in this movie. Right. Um, that fact yeah. that he wasn't actually Nick Fury, who has handled many superheroes. Um, it also, yeah. of course, I think makes it pretty clear that the next phase of Marvel's like saga is ultimately heading towards the classic Marvel comic arc regarding the scrolls, which is a very big arc that happened for a while in Marvel comics and had some crossover events and things like that. And people have speculated for a while. That's the next big event. Okay. I think it's clear that that's true. Um, if they're like, if, especially since this like really heavily doubles down on the fact that they like are master shapeshifters, like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like that, this is all making us look bad. This Mysterio stuff as shapeshifters. And it's like, yep, that's exactly what secret scroll is all about. Um, <laughs> all, right. all right. So yeah, I was kind of wondering like what the, the wider implication of that was. Cause yeah, I'm there's not, a I'm not whole arc about secret scrolls. Um, there's a whole big thing. So, and people have wondered for a while, especially with Captain Marvel's introduction, like if that's a plot that's about to happen soon. And I think it is. I think that is what's happening. Might be just the next Captain Marvel movie, probably since this was tagged at the end of Spider-Man, it's probably going to be like the next quote unquote Avengers movie. Yeah. The other thing is that I don't really remember that much of Captain Marvel having slept through a good chunk of it. Uh, so yeah, That's I a was shame. Little, that was a good yeah, movie. I know. I mean, I liked what I saw, but it was very late at night and I just couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, so I was a little confused when they showed up, but I sort of got the gist of it. Um, yeah. Interesting ending to find out that Nick Fury and Maria Hill were not real the whole time. Nobody but, in this movie is what they seem. It's yeah. all about like deception and secret identities and weird stuff. I guess that's superhero movies, but yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they're definitely all in on that in this one. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's a good thematic through line for the whole thing. I thought in general, the movie really did do a good job of establishing themes and carrying them actually through, um, which Marvel isn't always the best at. Um, right. <laughs> there's not a lot of like motifs and thematic through lines and they've really done it here. I think that also what worked for this movie is that a lot of it, really did feel like sort of like a, almost a meandering structure. It's not really like a straight like, oh, we're just following the straight plot all the way through. Like you mentioned, like it's like halfway through, we find out Mysterio is the bad guy. Like it's really like there's a lot of movie before that happens. Like right. with a lot of just like plot elements with like without a clear villain, like and it somehow all works really well. Um, it like it feels natural. It feels like we're just watching like like this kid's life who happens to be a superhero and it it's good. Like, and it, it really works as like a high school road trip movie in that regard. Um, it's just like right. a series of scenes pulled together that ultimately lead to this big climax. But for a while, it's just like, Oh, we'll just get there when we get there. We're going to have a scene. Where we're on a bus and there's a random drone attack for no reason. Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, it's fun. I think it really, really works. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I agree. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, I I don't always see all the Marvel movies, and I this is actually the first standalone Spider Man movie I've seen in this in, in like the Marvel franchise. That's insane. Uh, you don't even know that MJ in this movie is not Mary Jane. No, 
Well, I I did not know that, but I know yep. that now. I guess her name is not Mary uh, Jane. It's like a big thing in the first one. Uh, okay. Um, which means we might still get Mary Jane, obviously. I mean, yeah. full obviously. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I I've seen I saw all the Tobey Maguire ones. I saw all the Andrew Garfield ones, and then I was just like, I'm not going to see any more Spider Man movies. Like I'm done with this. I just wish. I wish for once he wouldn't be a teenager. You know, that was what I liked so much about Spider-Verse is that you actually finally got to see an adult Spider-Man. Because, you know, I I grew up reading the, like, the daily comics in the newspaper with Spider-Man, and he was an adult at that point. Uh, So that's more what I'm used to. I want to see adult Spider-Man as well. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I get that. We've seen a lot of high school Spider-Man, but I felt like, you know, this one did a pretty good job of it. Um, especially being the first one I've seen in this. You should franchise. see Homecoming. You should yeah, see I'll, Homecoming. I'll plan, Homecoming is really good. <laughs> I definitely plan on going back now. Um, but yeah, and other than that as well, like I felt like there was a lot of interesting story here. I thought Mysterio was incredible. I had like some really cool scenes with him. And just overall, the plot was fun and interesting. And there was just a lot to like about it. So it was a great movie. Agreed. Go see Homecoming. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie. I will say that. Better than Spider-Man 2? Yes. Oh, wow. In my personal opinion. I don't love Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, though. Ooh. Oh. I think he's good, but not amazing. I love Tobey Maguire. I just don't like his facial expressions. There's something something wrong with him. Something's yeah, yeah. going on. <laughs> he's, he's a little goofy, but I feel like that fit, fits well for Spider-Man. Yeah, does I don't know. I think Tom Holland is pretty much the perfect Spider-Man in my he's, mind. He's great, and he he's really, not like obviously he it's hard to buy. As well, so. Tom Holland is like an outcast in any school. He's like very attractive, like and like you know just like charming. Like, but otherwise he's perfect. So. He does a pretty good job of being awkward, though. I feel he's like extremely awkward. He acts very very awkward, and you could see that being enough in high school to make you like not the most popular kid around. Absolutely. Whereas like Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man like never made any sense because he was like the cool kid who was like he's also cool in his for 30s. everyone else. Yeah, he was in his thirties. And also he's like skateboarding around and like Peter Parker doesn't skateboard. Come on. This makes no sense. Ridiculous. The whole, yeah. The it's a shame because I liked some aspects of those movies, but it really did not make sense. Yeah, it was like, what are we doing here? All right. Well, uh, I think that concludes our discussion of Spider-Man. This was a great movie, and it's still around in theaters, so I recommend checking it out. Absolutely. And with that, we move into the less pleasant part of tonight, <laughs> where oh. we discuss uh, the new Lion King movie, which just came out and is very much still in theaters. Um, I don't think we need to give a plot summary here. Yeah. For those unfamiliar, <laughs> Lion King was originally a animated movie in 1994 about a lion cub whose father gets killed and he runs off into exile, but then he has to come back to save his pride um, and to fight off the evil lion Scar, who was the one who killed his father in the first place. 
I think that's a gross mischaracterization of The Lion King. The Originally, <laughs> The Lion King was actually a play first written around 1600 by a man called William Shakespeare. Okay. The play was called Hamlet. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of differences. It's inspired by Hamlet. Um, so if you've never read Hamlet, seen Hamlet, or seen The Lion King, then I don't know if you're listening to our podcast or living in reality. Um, that yeah. that's a hard, it's hard to hit all of those. I'd have to say, yeah. So, otherwise, you're good. Spoilers, be damned. Um, yeah. There's, this is there, a live uh, action remake, essentially, quote unquote. Right. We've seen a lot of these recently. Most recently, uh, Aladdin came out, which got some mixed reviews, but some good ones as well. Um. Yeah, this one is not getting great reviews, which I find interesting. Um, see, it's I not thought the lowest rated of them, right? Of the live action. I don't. What would be the lowest rated? Dumbo. If I'm. Oh not yes, mistaken. yes. Dumbo got terrible ratings, so that was pretty much universally disliked. This one is pretty mixed. I think it's still hovering around fifty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So Dumbo is at a forty-six, and The Lion King is at fifty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's not that different. This one is no, like, but I, the difference is that Dumbo, I think, was unanimously not good reviews. Like, so like everybody was pretty low on it. So that's what brought us down to 43. Yeah. I think the Lion King is legitimately like there are people who are loving it. There are people who just like are swept away by the visuals. Yeah. And then there's the people who just really don't like it. And so like I think it is literally like mixed slash split reviews. I think it is kind of i don't know there are people who are really enjoying it and people who are really hating it whereas dumbo i don't think there's anybody who's like strongly advocating for it i don't think right. that's anybody exists so yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh yeah there so there there's some issues with this one there there's really no need for us to go uh beat by beat through this one absolutely so not we can just talk generally about it um yeah first of all why don't we just cover the visuals because that's the most obvious thing that stands out. Um, they're yeah. good. They, they're good. They're, they look interesting. They look very realistic, uh, which is clearly what they're going for. Um, they, they're beautiful to look at in like, you know, the way that you'd look at a pretty picture. Um, I don't know if they're always exactly what's needed in the scene, which is my main critique here. Um, sometimes it's just too realistic is my general thought on it. The original Lion King, you know, takes a lot from nature. It's clear they, they used a lot of references, but they allowed to work a little humanity into these lions, um, and the other characters. They, in some scenes, especially the music sequences, they went a little more abstract and the, through trying to make their, visuals so realistic they're sometimes limited in this remake as to what they can do along those lines they're heavily limited i mean i thought that i don't know like yes it's great that we've come so far that disney can put out a movie that looks live action even though it's very much fully animated everything about this movie is an animation um and yes there are moments where it is like breathtakingly deceptive that it is not like you might think it's real you know yeah. um and that's insane 
Now, I will say that I think that those moments only exist in isolation. A lot of it, it's like very clearly like this is CGI. Um, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that because this is ultimately an animated film. But, you know, it, it the whole like live photorealistic shtick thing to me is annoying. I think it's distracting. It's definitely not as visually dynamic as anything we saw in the, the like cell shaded animation, which is, I mean, that's crazy. I don't, I don't know. Why do this if you're not going to do something cool visually? Um, they thought it was cool, obviously. but and, and some parts of it are cool. I mean, it is, it's really neat to see um, what they're able to do when they can basically create a photorealistic world, but also control the animals. Um, I, I've stated before that I think it, it seems at times like you're kind of watching planet Earth which is definitely the feeling at some moments in here, but also it's interesting to have that effect, but still be able to have the, uh, the animals move around the way that a character would rather than a real animal would. So in that regard, they are able to put a little originality into it. Um, but they, but they never really managed to break out of the limitations of having these animals behave fairly strictly like animals. Uh, they're not able to do the backflips during some of the dance sequences. They're not able to. Uh, the dance sequences are not real. Yeah. These are not dance sequences. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're like basically that's where you see the most limitations, I'd say, is during the songs. Um, because in the original, the animals kind of go wild and they, they don't behave like animals. And especially during things like I Just Can't Wait to Be King, there's like surreal parts like with all the giraffe necks moving along on the same side. Um, so that I, I just want to stop you there and point out how terrible that sequence is. Yeah. Like the fact the elevators there that giraffes lifting their necks is like a pale imitation of what happens in the animated one. And it made me so, it made me so angry. I almost was like, I have to go pee right now because I'm just mad. I can't finish the sequence. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. So that, that was one of the scenes where I thought that it really showed, um, the limitations they were work they'd worked themselves into, um, because yeah, like instead of having these giraffes like sort of move across, sort of like robotically and kind of abstractly, you've just got giraffes like lifting their necks up as the lions run by. It doesn't look as interesting. It doesn't like make the. It doesn't. Uh, it just doesn't do anything for me. You know, it doesn't. And we all know that it's trying to imitate this other sequence that we've all seen a bunch of times. And so, like, all that does is make me think, wow, how cool was that other time that (laughs) did this that looked way better? Like, like this. And I feel like that's, like, the problem the whole movie has is just, like, the visuals, like, keep hearkening back to the original movie. And all you can think is, wow, that was so much better. Like it's impossible not to think that like every time they imitate the original, which is pretty much every second. Cause it's like a shot for shot remake essentially. Right. And I think that there's nowhere that the limitations are felt as acutely as the section that takes place in the elephant graveyard. Um, oh, so in the original, this scene is really scary. Like yeah. Simba and Nala, wander off to the edge of the pride lands and end up in this elephant graveyard. And it's instantly like a whole different world. It's really spooky. They're wandering around these elephant skulls and stuff. Everything seems huge and looming and dark and spooky. But in 
this version of the movie, it's just like kind of they're just sort of wandering around this wasteland. And part of the problem in both this scene and a lot of the other parts of the movie is that they're never really willing to bring themselves down to the scale of these characters, like to get right in their face with the cameras and like make the background seem big and looming and scary. They sort of pull back a lot to show more landscape, which during some scenes like will create a beautiful landscape and looks good. But during a a lot of others, it's just, you're seeing these animals just sort of wandering around a big empty field or something. It doesn't look as interesting. And especially in this scene, it doesn't seem as scary. Like the environment doesn't seem as threatening when you're like pulled back and you're just seeing them wandering around this field. Right. And then um, additional, like the the big, big scene that takes place in this elephant graveyard in the original movie is Scar's whole Be Prepared song, which I thought oh. was. It's basically here. It was the most disappointing part of the movie for me because uh, it's a huge song in the original. It's scary. It's like the only real big song that Scar gets and it sort of establishes his whole plan and his personality. And it was very much cut short in this version. Uh, like they seriously, the song is like made like less than a minute long and he doesn't really go through all the clever wordplay that he does in there. And it's sometimes he's not even really singing. He's just sort of speaking and he doesn't really do a whole lot other than climb to the top of this mountain and then it's over. And it's like, well, in the original, it's like this whole big menacing thing where he seems like really spooky and he sings really beautifully, but also very like darkly and creepily. And like, you really get this feeling of him as an evil villain. But here it's like, it's kind of a letdown. You don't really get much of a sense of who Scar is or what he's trying to do. You, uh, yeah, it's completely let down. I think, um, be repaired was just like totally botched. I mean, most of the musical numbers were pretty botched on the whole. I guess the circle of life was not, but, um, circle of life was good. Um, I have some Akuna issues with it just because a circle of life was literally the exact same thing as the original. Like, That's true. It was exactly the same thing. And it was just sort of like, I was like, I mean, that was just the moment where I knew that I wasn't going to like this movie. I was like, they didn't even like, I don't know. I hate a remake that doesn't play with the original, but whatever. Um, So like this one, like, yeah, it just like, it was boring. It's like, they didn't want to give Scar any sort of real personality. They didn't try with be prepared. Cause he like, like you said, none of the, not none of the, but a lot of the like wordplay is gone because they cut out some of the verses, I guess. And like rearranged the whole song. So like half of the song is literally just him saying "be prepared," yeah. Like and like the whole the back half, part. he just says "be prepared, be prepared, be prepared." It's like I don't know what this is supposed to mean, but it's it's not landing. Whatever you're going for, what are they even prepared for? You know, they he right. doesn't really go that much into like why they're doing this or what they're exactly doing. It's so. also weird that in this scene. When this happens, they rewrite some of like the di- so a lot of the dialogue is straight from the original. Um, yeah. In this scene, it's actually different. You know, um, as we all know, in the Lion King, 
uh, this the scene where he sings "Be Prepared" happens after Simba has snuck into the elephant graveyard and his fathers had to rescue him, him and Nala from the hyenas. And so Scar comes back and is like talking to them about life in the Pride Lands or whatever. In this movie, it appears that Scar is meeting them essentially for the first time here. Right. Like he comes in and he's like, he's like, they're like, oh, what? What are you doing here? You're a lion. Just like, like, what? This is Scar. He's supposed to have always been like in secret cahoots with the hyenas. Like, yeah. He, you know, he does say, like, I sent you two cubs and you couldn't even kill them, but they're not trusting of him before he sings Be Prepared. Like, they're not willing to take his side. Yeah. And I don't know, like, especially in the original, it seems like the song is just sort of there to get him to be like, hey, we've been hiding in the shadows this whole time, but now we're going to take over. In, in this one, it's like this one song is supposed to not only get them on his side, but also get them to go and take over the Lion Pride. Uh, yeah, like, in this one, it's like a, a campaign speech meant to win people over. Whereas in the original, it's just like a case, like a hype song, you know, like. Yeah, yeah it's really know. weird. It's weird. And I can't think of any like. I can't think of any reason they would change it to be that Scar was like new to the hyenas. Like, I don't, I don't understand what the, what that was supposed to do for the movie. Yeah. I don't know. My only thought is that like the original song and choreography is like very out there and non diegetic, so to speak. Um, in that everything that's taking place in the song and the choreography doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense in a realistic environment, but it's like, you know, it's, it's like a song and dance number in a musical. It doesn't necessarily make a hundred percent literal sense. It's just something that happens for a few minutes and then you go back to the regular story. But here they tried to make all the song and dance numbers be specifically like realistic and possible in this environment. Absolutely. Um, and so they were, once again, they're constrained here. And so I think their reaction was to cut down on the song a bit. Or maybe they just, they cut it for time. And they thought that, like, this, the movie's already almost two hours long. We don't need a whole thing from Scar. But, like, I felt like there's a lot of other stuff they could have cut uh, rather than this, like, the big villain song. I mean, this is a classic song. It is a classic seems, song. It and it's, I mean... I know that part of the th reason they cut certain things is like the heavy Nazi imagery in the original Be Prepared. Like, that's a very yeah. big thing. And I understand they yeah. didn't want to do that now in 2019. Um, <laughs> but like, you didn't have to gut the whole song just for that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just like actually come up with some new choreography and stuff. That's all you need to do. Right. It wouldn't have been hard. And like, Scar just like really fell flat in the movie for me. Um, and a big part of it was just the lack of like a good song. Yeah. I mean, I know that's like, I mean, I don't know, like it shouldn't take a song for a villain to be established, but in a musical, it kind of does. A, a villain should get a good song in a musical. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, those are definitely my main complaints. Um, yeah, just. I guess, yeah. So, I mean, just jumping off of like the scar point and like visual problems in the first place, one of my main complaints was just that because of the visuals and like none of the characters had any expression. Like the whole movie. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe they opened their mouth bigger when they were screaming, but that doesn't count as an expression. There was like a hollowness to all of their eyes. I mean, yeah, it, the craziness it was... of watching the scene where Mufasa dies, 
Yes. And Simba is crying. And we can hear it in the actor's voice, who, by the way, my favorite voice performers in this movie are young Simba and Nala. They were great. Absolutely. Young J.D. McCrary played young Simba. I thought he did an amazing job in a voice cast that honestly underwhelmed me otherwise. Like him and young Nala were far and away my favorites. Um, We can talk about the voice cast in a bit too. Right. But he did really well in this scene vocally. And then like visually it just, it was like cognitive dissonance. Like I, the lion just wasn't expressing anything. There was literally like no expression on like young Simba's face. And he has the most like anguished voice. Like it's like, he's clearly like sobbing. He's screaming like in nothing, nothing on Simba's face. And I was like, how is anybody supposed to connect with this? Like, (laughs) and when you go back and look at the original scene, um, like again, there's a good voice performance there, but the animation really sells it in the original. You can see like, not only is he really sad, he's like terrified. He's just deeply shocked at this idea of his father being taken away from him. And just none of that is present in the animation in the new one. The it's his face is just a, a blank resting face and you can hear the sadness, but you can't see it. And so like that, performance is robbed by the the lack of animation there it just like doesn't land it nothing you feel nothing during the mufasa scene pretty much and what i I found what i found strange was like some scenes it did seem like they actually really tried to give the lines an expression one that i really liked was um the scene where timon and pumbaa and simba are all talking about the stars and um they make fun of the fact that he thinks the stars are the ancient Kings washing over them. And you can see like when they laugh at him, you can see the, like the pain come over his face and he actually like looks sad and then he runs away. And like, I thought in that moment, the animation actually looked really good. Like he looked sad and disappointed and sort of betrayed by his friends. And like, why can they do it in that scene, but not in the other one? There was just a, a lot of inconsistency between how good the facial expressions were. Like the animation was always like really pretty and really realistic, but only in some scenes did it seem like they actually tried to put some emotion into it. Hmm. I mean, I guess like part of that is just like how much time and energy and money could they spend in that for all of these characters? Like if it's all yeah. going to be fully CGI. Um, but yeah, I agree that that scene looked pretty good in terms of like his expression, but for by and large, there was nothing. Right. Like, like, and Scar is a character that was really robbed by that. I could never make sense of what Scar was feeling. Absolutely. Um, never and, an expression on his face. And I gotta say, Scar in the original is a very expressive character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. You also, like, just in terms of visuals, they tried to make it look more realistic, as we know. But, like, it really works to their disadvantage in certain scenes, like, like they make the fight sequence at the end set against like that backdrop of fire, the same exact things that is in the animation. And it becomes very hard to tell Scar and Simba apart. Like, it's like, I don't really know who's who unless you do a close up on their face and I can see the scar, which by the way, is not nearly as pronounced as it is in the original animation. Like, right. I mean, like, in the original, he's like a completely different color and everything. Yeah, and, and this one he has darker fur, but just kind Simba of also it. has darker fur here. <laughs> so it's really hard to tell them apart when you're in a sequence where the lighting is not 
perfect. Like the lighting is off because they're lit by like flames. Um, And it like, it just like really, they thought so hard about if they could make it realistic that they didn't think about like, can just like a person watching this movie follow it visually? Is this telling a good visual narrative? And the answer is no. Like I, if I can't tell these lines apart, if like, Every single female lion looks exactly the same, which yeah. is a whole other issue. Like, why can't I tell Nala apart from everybody else half the time? Like, that's a problem because you're trying to make Nala a bigger character here, which didn't work. But you're trying. And I, especially young Nala, I'm like, she looks like every other young lioness. Like, I don't know. But it was just like really frustrating that they like tried so hard to make it realistic that they didn't think, oh, is any of this going to look okay to the average viewer? I can't imagine mm-hmm. a kid seeing this movie and following it if they hadn't seen the original movie. Yeah, one of the thing that kept going through my mind as I was watching this was the animators spent so much time trying to figure out if they could. They didn't stop to think if they should. <laughs> You're right, though. You're right. Adaptation from the Jurassic Park line. Um, Similar. But yeah, I, I there were a number of moments when I was watching this. I was just like, why? Like, like why? 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 Why, <laughs> why does this exist? Like, I, I don't know. I it, it it was fun to watch somewhat. I it if I wasn't trying to directly compare it to the original. And they, it was interesting, and the animation was really pretty to look at. But it just, I I can't like justify this film's existence, really. <laughs> no, there's no point to it, especially because they didn't do anything original with the source material. Like if they if they managed to change anything noteworthy, it'd be different. But they didn't. There's nothing, nothing new here. It's all still animated, but they're trying so hard to make it not animated, which has its own, like, I don't know, like, its implications on what Disney must think about art. Like, why do you need it to be live action? Like, why can't it just be animated? Which is, I mean, The Lion King is one of the most well-respected animated films of all time. You're not going to make it more respected by making it live action. Like, (laughs) Like, it was respected because of its animation not in spite of like, so I don't know. Like, I think it's like this crazy idea that like somehow it like implies that live action has to be done because that's what people want. And that's what's respected these days. And that's not true. People want good animation still. Yeah. I mean, but you're not giving like good animation. Isn't animation that looks live action. It's animation that is animated. Like (laughs) they don't try to make it real. We don't want that. If we want that, we'll, we'll watch a live action movie or like a nature doc in this case. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, and in when they had the Disney Renaissance in the eighties and nineties, like people might not have taken animation as seriously back then, but they made these great animated movies to show them that like they could still do this and they could make a really amazing artistic movie with animation. And like, why not do that again? I know. Especially, or if you're going to do the live action or CGI thing, like use it to tell a new story. I've never seen the, the only movies I've seen like this that are like full animated CGI done as live action are like this and the jungle book. And they're both retreads. Like why not, the jungle book had at least one live action. Yeah. And at least there was one live person in there to sort of justify it. But 
I, I don't know. If you're going to go all in on this technology and this style, like try it, do something new with it. Show me that it matters and that you can tell a new kind of story with it rather than just trying to remake something that was already good in its own format and just inevitably invite comparisons between the original. I think that what it ultimately plays into is it like there has been for like years and it was much bemoaned in like the superhero genre, like a, an emphasis on like realism that came about, you know, like people were like, oh, we need like the gritty realistic take on this because yeah. Christopher Nolan put out the Dark Knight. And so I think that um, a lot of like Disney's live action update does sort of stem out of that. Like it's like, oh, that's what people connect to, like this like realistic thing that they can like feel like they could be a part of. And it's like, at the end of the day, first of all, that's just like patently false and you're misunderstanding why people liked The Dark Knight. Um, but second of all, like, not in the case of like a movie about lions. Like, I gotta say, like, nobody wants to insert themselves into that story. It's not about that. So, like... Um, I'm, I'm terrified to see if they try to remake the um, the Robin Hood version with the foxes in it. Oh, God, that's a terrible thought. <laughs> Don't even say it, because now it's like Disney's listening to us right now, so they'll get that. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the phrase will come out, and and we'll all be scared. I, they haven't announced anything past Mulan and the Little Mermaid, right? Oh, there's the Lady and the Tramp live action. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I am very concerned about, and that's baffling. That's going to be up there with Dumbo on like everybody's going to hate it. Like it's not going to go well. Yeah, uh, that one it has that virtually no audience. Just like Dumbo had no audience. It's like the people who were like alive when Dumbo was like a relevant movie. Gotta say, are not coming to see your live action update. They're just not. <sighs> so. And it's another one with all animals. Like why? Remake the Black Cauldron. I am begging you. Remake the Black Cauldron. They like they kind of butchered it when it came out in the 80s. Uh, so I love that movie, but unfortunately they took away some of the teeth of it. It used to be bloodier and they got rid of it. But like go all in, make the live action Black Cauldron. Because that's that's a movie that would do well in live action. There's there's lots of real people and there's also lots of like humanoid type ghouls and stuff that would look really cool i definitely uh, feel strongly that if they're going to do live action updates it should be the ones that are like human centric yeah i agree and like this one not as many people have seen so you might get some new audiences it would work yeah. i'd be for yeah. i'd be for a new black cauldron i mean i love the original but i'd Same be for a new one yeah plus you've got like a whole score of books to work with if you want to make a sequel you do you it's know. easy there's tons of that out there i hadn't even Come thought on, about disney. live action adaptation sequels god damn it oh it's coming it's coming when they run I mean, out of stuff aladdin but... made like what a billion dollars it's gonna get a sequel do you um, think they're do you think if they do make a sequel they're gonna make a sequel to this aladdin or, the, or they're gonna remake stop. the stop. sequel stop <laughs> Aladdin, what is it? Jafar's Return of Jafar. Return, Return of Jafar. Jafar. Return oh, of Jafar God. was pretty good. I mean, and then we'll get yeah, Aladdin and that. the King of Forty Thieves or whatever. Yeah, with the golden water everywhere. God damn it! Oh Jesus, it's all gonna happen, isn't it? We're gonna get yeah. the full trilogy of Aladdin remade. They're taking I think notes. Their contracts China. automatically had them like, oh, if this succeeds, you're doing the sequel. Maybe we'll get uh, Lion King one and a half. <laughs> 
Oh my god, I can <laughs> only pray <laughs> that we get Lion King one and a half. Lion King two, Simba's Pride featuring Kovu. Um, yeah. Doubt we'll get that one, but uh, the the only other thing I really wanted to touch on for this one was the voice cast. Um, yeah, same. I thought overall it was pretty good. Uh, you said you didn't really like any of them except for the young lions. Um, like, didn't like would be strong. <laughs> I just wasn't impressed by most of them. Right. I I liked a good deal of it. I I did like the young lions. I liked Donald Glover as adult Simba, though he really didn't have that much to work with. Like he was good on the singing stuff, but there just there wasn't like a lot else there. Although we can, um, we should also talk about the singing stuff. Yeah, we, oh, I, we'll, we'll. Um, <laughs> I thought Donald Glover did fine on the singing stuff, but making him duet on "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" like that was literally like somebody hated him and wanted to punish him. I'm sorry, <laughs> Beyonce is running laps around him. Just yeah. Like, and, laps. They they drop his vocals way down. They let Beyonce just like take over. You can vaguely hear him. I'm like, this is embarrassing. Like, yeah, and it should have just been like, a Beyonce song. Like, show off so much. And it was very strange too because they they didn't like lip sync that song. It was just sung in the background. So I'm like, I can't imagine a lion singing all these little intricate parts that Beyonce is doing. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Beyonce is like doing runs on Can You Feel the Love <laughs> yeah. Tonight. I'm like, <laughs> no. Like, it doesn't make sense. It just like, I don't know. They should have, that that song was was trouble. Uh, it didn't work very well. I thought Donald Glover was fine. Um, I think the biggest problem is a lot of them weren't really given much to either do or what they had to do was sort of undermined by the fact that the lions couldn't express anything. And so like, it was really hard to like know if their performances were landing, I think. Um, right. And like, you know, you see that sometimes with, especially Donald Glover is like adult Simba. Like sometimes it just like felt like, like I couldn't see what his character was feeling. So no matter what Donald Glover did, I wasn't feeling it. I was like, well, I, I'm not taking anything from this. Yeah. So I know there's been like a lot of like everyone loves Timon and Pumbaa in this movie. I got to say, fine. Yeah. Billy Eckner was good, but I Pumbaa was nothing, did nothing for me. I was like, I don't get it. This is not funny. Like, <laughs> I thought um, they were, I thought they were both pretty good. And like, um, I did feel like the Timon and Pumbaa stuff was like the one place where they actually tried to like rewrite some of the dialogue. Cause I guess try to put some more like humor into it. Um, and it was pretty funny. It wasn't amazing. I wasn't like I, blown away, but I mean, like, I really liked Billy Eichner as Timon. I thought like they gave him a lot of free reign to like, kind of like gay Timon up and like, <laughs> like be Billy Eichner, just like screaming for no reason. Half the time, like well, he's they pretty gay in the original too. Yeah. Sort of. Um, and he does like, drag. He does drag in the original, and they wouldn't. He does do, do it in drag. This one. Yeah, they won't do drag here. Um, he just sings "Be Our Guest," which was pretty funny. I gotta say, yeah, singing "Be fun. Our Guest" was good. It was a good like winking moment for Disney. Um, but I guess I just thought that like, like they took like the Pumbaa fart jokes too far multiple times. I was like, yes. I just feel like I don't know. 
I need studios to realize that like fart jokes are like never funny in movies. Really, they're only funny in like real life with your friend. Like, it's just like not funny in a movie ever. It never lands well. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe the kids find it funny. I don't know. I can't remember whether I found movie fart jokes funny. They're always I'm funny sure. in real life, obviously. But right, they're always uh, great in real life. That's awesome. But like in like a movie, I'm always like, it just feels forced and weird and like. I, like it's not it never works out like just like stop trying i don't know it like, definitely felt a little forced in this one like the originals like fart jokes in like hakuna matata is very funny because it's like it's not as fully explicit here like they like go all the way like they're like huh aren't you gonna stop me and it's like no and then he farts why i don't know um <laughs> i thought that was like, funny it sort of subverted your expectations did it uh, i don't know if it did i was like yeah. he's gonna do it here he's going to um because you're used to you're used to timon cutting him off and then he just doesn't yeah, but that'd be just like a Disney live action remake. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I was not like super into Pumbaa here. Timon, I did like, generally speaking. Um, I felt like, like, I don't know. I just felt like so much of the cast was so completely criminally underused. Like, Absolutely. I mean, they like, they had a shockingly good cast for this. It's an amazing and cast, and they didn't do barely any, know so it. many of them. Like, and I mean, some of the cast is overused. Maybe Beyonce could have been, I don't know. Yeah. Just Nala Beyonce, didn't work. Not, the singing was Nala good. The, the rest of it was just eh. Um. I, I read a, um, an article, I think it was on Jezebel, where the reviewer was like, you can just like tell that Beyonce didn't record this in the same room as the rest of the voice cast. And I think that's like really true. Her energy just, it's like totally different. Like she doesn't feel quite right something's off every time Beyonce speaks. I'm like, it, maybe it's just because you know it's Beyonce. Um, yeah. Like, I didn't really think that when John Oliver spoke, I knew it was John Oliver. Like, like I was like, that's just like Zazu being weird, neurotic Zazu. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like every John time Oliver. Nala spoke, I was like, that is Beyonce. Like, maybe it's because Beyonce's not a voice actress. That's not what she does. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like the biggest problem was just that like nobody was given much to work with. There really wasn't there. Like other than like we said before, like young Simba's scene where you could really tell he was like going all out on it. There's not a lot of like big dramatic uh, voice acting scenes here that we can really like feel the emotion in it. Right. And I guess, like, I wonder if, like, because, like, I guess the reason that's such a big issue is, again, just because the lions can't express as much because of, like, the realism of the animation here. Because in the yeah. original, like, we could make up for the fact that, like, the dialogue is pretty straightforward and simple and nobody's, like, giving big dramatic speeches here because the dialogue is largely similar to the original, right? Um, yeah. Like, the, the original made up for that with the animation, which was, like, gorgeous and evocative. And here, we just don't get that. So, like, any gaps left by, like, the writing's sort of... I don't want to say simplicity, because I don't think that, like, the original had a bad script or anything like that. I think it's very good, obviously. Uh, the original Lion King is one of my favorite movies. But, you know, like, there, like, there's room for emotional growth in the animation. And in this one, they just, like, didn't do anything with that. So, like, we can't meet it halfway, because we can't feel anything when we see nothing in the characters. So, right. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered this. Um, any any parting thoughts 
on the Lion King. Yeah, just that I hope Disney stops doing this. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my general feel towards the live action stuff they've been doing. It's um, I can't say, like, don't go see this movie. If you like Lion King and if you like what they've been doing with the live action, I think it's fairly enjoyable. I walked out of this not feeling like I'd wasted two hours necessarily, but definitely feeling kind of like, eh, like, I don't know. I, I definitely don't feel like I'd ever watch this again. Like, I'm kind of glad I saw what they could do with this style of animation. But other than that, I don't know. I I, I feel like it's not going to be one that we're going to be rewatching ever again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fine. I don't feel bad telling people not to see it. I don't want people to encourage Disney financially to keep doing this. Um, yeah, I mean that is so, the biggest problem. the The like, more you go see this stuff, the more just the more of it they're gonna make. Yeah, and so like I'm ready for Disney to stop making money off of it because I I think that it's just like it's not it's not creatively going anywhere. Disney is creatively bankrupt when they do movies like this. Like they're just displaying that they don't know what to do. Um, and I'm ready for it to be done. This phase needs to end before we're stuck with a live action update of Aristocats and Home on the Range. Like, I really oh, don't fucking want that. So, like, you know what's coming. I mean, Aristocats will happen eventually if they keep making money off of these. Um, oh, Bambi, no. live action Bambi. Can't oh, wait no. to watch a deer get killed in real life. Um, <laughs> I've been hunting. I've seen it many times. So it's not that uh-huh. fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. By the time we see them, if they make Aristocats, it's going to look like I don't know, like one of the out in the chipmunks movies or like the Smurfs or something like that. Like, I just, I really don't. Yeah, want to they're see actually going to do Aristocats in the style of cats. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Okay. All right. So, well, let's, let's close up the discussion of Lion King here. I think we pretty well wrapped this up. Let's segue into our final segment of the night where we discuss the batshit insane trailer for cats that came out. Okay, you know what? (laughs) I've now seen it like 20 times. um, And it doesn't get less insane, I gotta say. But it does get like more like, I cannot wait to fucking pregame that movie with like (laughs) a bottle and a half of wine and go in and just like lose my fucking shit. Like (laughs) one of the responses I saw to this was like the Lion King. Oh, complaints about the Lion King. Oh, the animals aren't anthropomorphized enough. And then cats goes, hold my milk. (laughs) (laughs) Because let me tell you, these cats are anthropomorphized as hell. Uh, It's really weird. I don't like it's it's so it's really fucking weird. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to see this movie. I got to be clear. Um, Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, It looks so weird. And um, yeah, the trailer just came out this week. It is airing before screenings of The Lion King. So uh, if you show up early, you get to see that. Uh, sure do. They I've, think that like the cats community, like big cats versus cats that you can reasonably want to fuck. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you could. Yes. These cats are basically just humans. Like any kind of cat fans are going to be looking out for this i guess um but yeah um check out the trailer i'll try to drop it in the description 
It's really weird. The cats just look really strange. They're like small people with tails and ears. Uh, and I think that's the weirdest part is that they're small. And the, the fur technology. What did, what did yeah. we call it in the behind the scenes thing that started a trend on Twitter? Oh, it was something fur technology that was very good. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's strange. I, I've seen the original cats and I find that a little creepy, but this is like a whole new thing. Yeah, and... originally it's still creepy. There's like there was no world in which this was not going to be a creepy movie. Um but this, this is, is definitely like, yeah, this is like Polar Express meets cats, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the the Rebel Wilson cat in particular makes me feel very uncomfortable. And uh, I, I don't think that's going to go away for a while. But <laughs> yeah, check it out. Uh, we'll drop it in the description. It's, it's weird. I'm definitely going to go see it. And I'll probably regret it for a long time. Nah, we're going to love it. I think this is going to be just like The Greatest Showman. We will collectively hate it, me and you. And then one of our friends will love it. We know the friend. And <laughs> yes. we will then love it as a result. <laughs> we'll we'll be Stockholm syndromed into it. As we, we sure will. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Greatest Showman, uh, I like Zendaya better in The Greatest Showman than I did in the Spider-Man movie. I find her more interesting in that one. But, but better than both it's okay. is Euphoria. Oh, I haven't seen that. Is that good? It's so fucking good. All right. I'll have to check it out. I like her overall. Yeah, she's great. Good. She's awesome. All right. So, um, yeah. Long one this week, but we covered some good ground, I think. Um, okay. As always, you can check us out on all the major streaming platforms uh apple podcasts uh google play music google podcasts and spotify um and you can reach out to us on twitter at buzzed on movies or uh, by email buzzed on movies at gmail.com just let us know what you think and uh give us a review on whatever platform you're using let us know what else you'd like to hear we're always looking for suggestions and until next time we'll see you at the movies see you at the movies